All right, episode two of the Ill Will Podcast. Today we're talking to Zach Williams from everybody's favorite death metal hardcore act, Recidivist. Um, But first, if you hear this before December 2nd, make sure you're at Black Lung Society to catch Dispersed rolling into town, opening up the mighty, mighty snake eyes, fight the future, anonymous, and recidivist side project, go bankrupt and die. And then, if you're feeling it, jump in a carpool, head up to Pocatello for Mosh for Santa. There you will catch Snake Eyes again with Crow Killer, Zodiac Killer, Snuff Tape, and a bunch of other out-of-SLC bands. Dispersed again, Lone Hand, Dragged Out, The Kingdom. Um, Another one, if you hear this before December 10th, make sure you're at your mom's house. Again, you can catch the Mighty Mighty Snake Eyes, this time with Horrible Penny, awesome, young, emo-ish act, Narc, Lane in the Chain, the greatest singer to ever come out of Salt Lake City, Courtney Lane, uh, Ribbons, and Marielle Croft. That's a benefit for your mom's house to fix all the shit you guys have broken there. Um, So drop some dollars and don't break any more shit while you're at it. Love those guys. Shout out, Narc. Um, All right, let's talk to Zach. So where'd you you grow up? Did you grow up in Utah? So yeah, I grew up in Bountiful. Um, It was funny. I was actually talking to Tyler at uh, the Wild West, and we just kind of got to talking about where we were from, and we actually grew Mm -hmm. up within walking distance of each other's houses, like in the same neighborhood. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So like up in the Mueller Park area is where, so I I was born in Salt Lake. I lived in Sugar House until I was eight and then I moved to Bountiful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bountiful has like some like definite band roots and some other hardcore roots. I'm sure that goes back, but Tyler came up there. Um, our homie Andy, who does Pangea Speed, he came up in Bountiful as well, I think. And it always just seemed like the most, like, their stories were that it was just the most, like, quaint Mormon suburb. Is that true? Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. It's very quiet. Um, I think everybody with, like, everybody on my street was Mormon. I grew up Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my band members are Mormon. And we all met in Bountiful. Sure. Um, so all those guys are still Mormon. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really quiet, everybody there is super nice. I love it. I think there's kind of a stigma around like Mormon people being super mean and judgmental, which is definitely true in some areas, but at least in my neighborhood, I really like everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up there and in that world, what was like the first music that you came across? Like were your parents listening to music or was it the radio or? So the first song I ever remember listening to, like my first memory of hearing music was Misty Mountain Hop by Led Zeppelin. Okay. Um, that was, that's the first song I ever remember hearing. But then my introduction to heavy music was when I was in fifth grade, I, we had like a, like an electronics day in class. And so I got to take my dad's iPod to school awesome. and I found the, the master puppets album <laughs> and like, 
I remember specifically Leper Messiah was like the coolest thing I had ever heard. Wow. So it started with that. And then, um, you know, it, it I kind of grew from there. I went into like a weird, like warped tour phase when I was in high school that um, is embarrassing, but um, I met Tracy. That. What's that? Everybody's got some of that. Oh, I think so. Yeah. But uh, I met wait, wait. before before we oh, move yeah. on, who was your favorite Warped Tour band? August Burns Red, easily. There you go. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember when I was in high school, I met Tracy from Snake Eyes at a guitar store, and he was playing in a band Formations at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of a bountiful legend because he was like <laughs> a like a scary straight edge guy. Um. <laughs> And so I saw him at the guitar shop and I was a little, like a little nervous to talk to him. Cause I was like this, like little nerdy Mormon kid. But, um, I said, what's up to him. And I was like, Hey, I know you from like a couple of bands that I've heard. And he and I started kicking it a little bit. And he, uh, after I graduated high school, he took me to one of my first hardcore shows and uh, militant played that and with, I think safe and sound. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so that would have been like, like t- 2016 or 17 or something yep 2016 yeah i went to one hardcore show before that i saw a turnstile at kilby but i remember the militant show just i thought it was so cool like seeing that many people go off in such a small room because it, it was at the underground before that got mm-hmm. shut down yeah um yeah, that's, I mean, but, not a lot of people in your generation get to say they got into Turnstile early, but that was definitely Turnstile early still. I kind of think that was my favorite era of Turnstile. I yeah. love what they're doing now. I think it's so fucking sick, and I feel like they blew up without, like, compromising. I feel like they're still just doing the shit that they want to do. Yeah. But that um, nonstop feeling era where they were coming through and playing Kilby was so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm sure I can imagine the kind of stuff Tracy would have dropped, and and he's always liked really heavy stuff. But when I first caught your band, it was when you started recording with Matt Lloyd, and I was like, "Oh, who's this death metal band?" Um, yeah. So were, did you all did you go from Warp Tour into like classic death metal, or was it like an evolution via deathcore, or how did how did how would how did your generation get into real death metal is my question um so my experience was i after that whole war tour shit i kind of started listening to like weird like experimental like black metal and shit like that mm-hmm. and i think that was kind of a gateway to like classic metal i remember the first time i heard entombed i think i was like 18 yeah that um it was a great first impression Oh, dude, I that's still I think my favorite death metal record is Left Hand Path. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it holds a really special place in my heart, and I definitely have some stinkers later on, but that album is I think perfect. Yeah. So that was my introduction. Um, I feel like, you know, there was obviously the '90s when death metal was like probably at its peak, um, and then there was kind of a like a dead era in like 
from like 2000 to kind of up until now there were like a few bands who were around like cannibal corpse and dying fetus were still staying like really consistent and putting out really solid records um and there was like dead congregation and grave miasma who were around at that time but i feel like that wasn't really the best era for death metal until um I think it got blended in with what's going on in hardcore right now with, yeah. I think especially Ohio with like 200 stab wounds and like Sangui Sugabog, mm-hmm. those bands like playing hardcore shows and like writing songs with a, like a hardcore formula. I think it appeals to death metal kids and hardcore kids. So yeah. it, it kind of crosses planes and makes it accessible for, I think anybody who likes heavy music. Hundred percent, and I I think it's interesting. Like for anyone who's dug into the the roots of Salt Lake hardcore, that stuff in the '90s, you know, the early Cannibal Corpse and the Slam stuff and like Suffocation, that was what inspired Lifeless and all those yeah in the mid '90s to do hardcore. Like their objective was really like the Cannibal Corpse of hardcore, and that was in 1995. So it's interesting, and I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, maybe. I definitely in Utah, people don't see a big difference between heavy death metal and hardcore, but for that, and then, you know, when I started playing in bands, that stuff was as influential death metal bands and especially like the really heavy slam stuff as whatever would be considered like trending hardcore at the time. Like the right. idea of listening to um, <clears throat> Morbid Angel and Buried Alive together made total sense if you grew up in Utah, because it was like, all the local bands were trying to be that heavy and dark um, and evil. Like that's a, it's like the simplest way to put it. So it's kind of interesting because I think we had a wave here where hardcore was very death metal influenced and that lasted for a long time. But what I've seen with those bands that you mentioned is it kind of feels like all of hardcore is doing what happened here back then. Cause you know, those bands frozen soul enforced, like all these bands are coming out of, hardcore bands they're hardcore kids who are doing death metal now um so it just it struck me as like really interesting because it's kind of like history repeating itself but it's also just music i fucking love so when i heard you guys i was like this is great that's awesome man yeah i've always really liked the hardcore like diy ethos like um i i love like putting together our shows and like going to shows and like meeting people and just the whole like DIY shit. I love it. I think it's so cool. And that band Immolation, they've been around mm-hmm. since the nineties and they're still like shipping all like shipping their own merch orders out and like right. doing their own records and shit. I think that's so fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's pretty cool. I was looking at recidivists. So I was just kind of, you know, in light of the show last night, it, I was just reflecting on how cool it is that so many different kinds of bands can play together. There's like no bullshit, no egos, no drama. Um, and you look at like, like portraits, narc, snake eyes, um, these bills spent go from like traditional hardcore to power violence to death metal. And then when you look at your band and you look at like, like, what other people are listening to on Spotify. It's the same mix. It's like people are listening to recidivist at the same time. They're listening to like Mandalore or, you know, feel the flames. Like it's a, I kind of feel like people don't give a fuck as much about genres, which is a good thing. 
I like that a lot. Yeah, I I like that we're able to play um, shows that like maybe a metal kid has never seen somebody like two step or whatever. Like maybe it's their first hardcore show, sure. and they're just like coming to check it out. But they like I don't know. It's it's just cool crossing audiences like that, especially in an area where I feel like <clears throat> before this kind of like rebirth of death metal i feel like audiences were kind of like split up so like metal Mm -hmm. kids were only going to metal shows and hardcore kids were only going to hardcore shows yeah i like that we're able to play to to everybody yeah it's the best case so to go back again is a big difference between getting into this music and then saying i can front a band like this like that's that's a big leap. So what made you think that you could do this? What was, what were your first bands? So I actually started out drumming in bands. I was playing in every band that I've been in has been some combination of the people that I am in recidivist with now. Yeah. So we've all like, we've been friends since I met my bassist when he was six and I was eight and I met my drummer and guitarist in high school and my, other guitarist is my twin brother so we've always just played music together um and it's kind of just like you know just one person writes a song and we just keep playing songs like that so i started out drumming in like rock bands that we were doing we would cover like weezer and hum Mm -hmm. um and we were playing the underground and it was really fun but i think that i don't know i kind of don't like drumming I like doing it on my own terms. I like Mm -hmm. writing my own drum parts and playing like the stuff that I want to play, but I don't, I don't really like being limited to like, you know, one genre. Cause I'll, I have my drum playlist and it's got everything from like, like an entombed song to like a, like a strokes song. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like. So we, kind of wanted to start a metal band and I was the only one that um, knew how to, I guess, sing like that. Yeah. So we had a band called Cauterizer in, it was right before COVID hit. And we, I think we played four or five shows and that wasn't really working out for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I don't really think any of us liked the music that we were playing. It just wasn't working out. I don't think anybody that we were playing to liked it. <laughs> um so COVID happened and that just kind of fizzled out. And then uh, my guitarist told me that he wanted to start like a, like a death metal band. And he showed me one of the songs and it literally had two Entomb riffs on it. And so I was <laughs> like, this is perfect. This yeah. is exactly what I want. <laughs> so I was the only one that could sing like that. And so it was kind of just default that I would have fronted the band. Yeah. Um, that- that makes sense, but there's also something about drummers who become front front people in bands that works because of that rhythm and like understanding syncopation. Like I didn't expect to be talking about turnstile for this whole conversation, but if you look at turnstile, like vocally, you can tell he's got rhythm, and and, and that's a it's kind. Of, I think it's kind of like a hidden. If you didn't know it yet, it's kind of a secret weapon to be a drummer and a vocalist. I think so. Yeah, one of my favorite like contemporary frontmen is Colin of like God's Hate and Twitching Tongues. Right. He is so good at what he does, and like it's it's just cool like seeing him play shows with Twitching Tongues, but then like absolutely rip up a kit 
with like the gnarliest songs ever behind it. So yeah, he's, he's definitely a big inspiration to me as far as that goes. I don't really do much drumming anymore. I kind of want to start picking it back up, but I think you're right. There's definitely some kind of crossover. <clears throat> yeah. So you guys started writing during the pandemic, that stuff. Uh, yeah. So that's when my drummer and my guitarist got together and uh, ripped out that single that we have. And then they showed it to me and we played our first show in January of of this year so it took a minute to just to get everything organized and like figure out what everybody wanted to do sure uh we we initially only had one guitarist uh that's how we played our first like maybe we actually added my brother not that long ago so that's how we were for a Mm -hmm. good like a good almost year yeah and that um like i mentioned the first time i saw the band popping up was on instagram when matt was starting to record with you guys so to go back there how did you and how did you cross paths with the famous infamous matthew lloyd and choose to spend entire days with him in a music studio so it's funny i actually met matt for the first time when i was working at five guys when i was like 17 okay he came in with i think probably sean Or maybe it was Tracy. I don't remember, but he was wearing an incendiary shirt and I thought that was kick-ass. So I told him that I liked it and I don't think we ever saw each other until probably that militant show. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of just started talking more and more over the years and when he found out that I was doing a band, he offered to record us because he's he's still learning uh, and I wanted to be his test subject and That's he solid. did a great job. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. I love Matt. Um, yeah, he's super talented. Yeah, we could we could have like a love fest about all the amazing things about that dude. But the I, when he started when he started saying that he was getting to recording, I was excited because whatever he picks up, he gets amazing at. So, so what was it like recording? Like you guys were both kind of doing something new. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I think he'll cop to being like a tough love kind of guy. He's he's definitely a little hard on us, but I think he's just trying to push us. I I love him to death. I could hang out with him all day, every day. I, I think I forgot to mention, but he cuts my hair. And so we, we got closer that way. Mm-hmm. But none of my bandmates had ever met him before. And they, <laughs> when he showed up, they were like, this guy is so weird. That's awesome. But I, I love him to death. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely cracked it. Yeah. And so that was the Caverns of the Dead EP. Yep. Yeah. And that four came songs. out in what? June the summer, 17th, the I think. Summer. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and so those shows, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You, you had no, you'd met a lot of people from the hardcore scene. You'd played in metal bands. But what did you expect when you guys started playing shows? Like, what were some of the first shows you played with that were, like, mixing all these different bands and everything? So, the first show we played was uh, with this emo band, Wasatch Pine, who is also – my drummer drums in that band, and mm-hmm. it, it's made up of just a bunch of good friends. And this other band, Go Bankrupt and Die, who my drummer also drums for, mm-hmm. who's also a bunch of high school friends. <laughs> nice. So, that that was weird because – it was a super mixed bill and we opened. And so I think when we finished, people were like, 
oh that was cool <laughs> um but i remember the first show we played that went over really well we played with uh dose and spent mm-hmm. and that was the first time i played music and people were like throwing down and i thought it was so cool that was like everything i'd ever wanted to do with the band was just play a show and have the room go off um yeah, yeah. i mean you guys have definitely gotten good at that ever since <laughs> So yeah, so you're, I know you're going, you're planning, you're writing stuff and planning to record again. What are you thinking going into it? What's the vision? So I think we want to do a full length. Um, we're trying to figure out um, who we want to do it with and like what exactly we're going to do with it. We've got, we're going to record a single next year with Nick. We're going to see how that goes. I know Matt really wants to do it. So I'm hoping everybody else wants to do it with him. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're same stuff that we've been doing just better. Uh, the yeah. single that we're recording is, I think my favorite song I've ever been a part of. That's uh, great. So I'm, re- I'm so excited to put that out there. We've been playing it live uh, for a good while and it always goes over really well. So I'm super excited to put it out. Yeah, you guys played that at Wild West West Fest, right? Yep, we did. So what was it like being like like 10 months into a band and then being on Hate 56? Insane. Dude, I <laughs> I remember at the Combust show, Mike and Marquise pulled me aside and they asked if I wanted to play and I seriously thought they were fucking with me. I was like <laughs> It's not funny. You like cut it out and they were like, "No, for real." It was super surreal playing with like some of my favorite hardcore bands that are doing it right now like mind yeah. force and feel the flames such and like going and watching that video with like that audio quality and that visual quality is fucking crazy like it, it's already cooler than anything i could have ever asked for out of this band so i'm just I super mean, grateful to to be a part of a community that gives like that you guys also were completely like perfect proficiently like <laughs> like the you showed up for that fest and for that stage Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. And it's, and this is kind of what I was getting at with like the difference between being into this music and then being um, willing and unafraid to take on that front person role and be like right up front. Um, You just seem to, it seems to come pretty easy to you. Is that true? Or do you still, do you still get nervous? I still get the shakes before shows. I get, Mm -hmm. I get really anxious before shows. Um, sometimes I have to like take a few minutes to collect myself before we go on. Um, but I think once we start, um, I, I, I just kind of find my way into it and I, I get relaxed, but Mm. I, I get super, super anxious before we play every time. Well, I think that's one of the things that's kind of deceptive is that you look extremely confident. Like you're very like composed when you play. And so it gives off like an air. Well, no, like I'm, I've sung in bands for years and my default is just like lose your mind and just like don't calm down. Like that's how my, that's what happens to my brain when I start playing a show. Um, so to be able to like have that kind of air of confidence that you put off is it's rare. It's really cool. Thank you, man. Um, yeah. So... We've kind of been winding around these two topics of like you and your experience and then death metal and hardcore and where that's been coming together. Where do you think 
what do you think's coming next? Like bands like the like Bog and Two Hundred Stab Wounds haven't been as big as they are in a very long time. So, you think it's getting bigger and bigger? Or what's the future hold? I hope so. I hope those bands get as big as Morbid Angel and Suffocation and bands like that. I I think it would be really cool to to grow up in a, a genre where it's booming like it is and to just have it reach, like have it get as big as it possibly could. So that's what I'm hoping for. I want to be a part of it. I want to play shows and I want to go to shows where that's happening. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, with your, your generation came up with heavy music, like August Burns Red, you know, as somewhat popular music, you know, there wasn't like, like with the death metal in the nineties, like you'd see it hit pop culture here and there, like Cannibal Corpse and Ace Ventura or something. But really, like you didn't see it out there. My sense about it is that like the death metal, like the the classic roots that people are bringing back is just more honest and more sincere than like what has happened with deathcore and stuff over the years. Not a knock on the genre or anything, but I think it has that <clears throat> that ability to grow because what these bands are doing and what your band is doing is is very sincere like it's still dark it's still got that that death metal um like aesthetic but it's not cheesy it's not corny um does that make any sense to you yeah absolutely and that's what i strive for i don't want to be like a i I just don't want to seem fake i want i want it to i want people to know that what we're doing is genuine and we we care about the music that we write and you know, we do everything we can to like support the genre and the scene. So I, I just hope that we come across that way. And I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do, you don't have to worry about that. Good. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do think, I do think this really is like a second coming of that kind of more, it's weird to say, but like more sincere, heavy death metal. Uh, there is a poster hanging up at aces and the lineup is, misfits cannibal corpse anthrax and life of agony and i want mm-hmm. a contemporary version of that show yeah i want so, a troy core band and i want a death metal band a thrash band I, I want it all on one bill i think that would be so cool pick pick the bands if you had the bill who would it be limited to salt lake or any bands no just that any bands you think that would be the modern version of misfits life of agony cannibal corpse like your dream show my dream show it's that mixed up let's go god's hate um probably this band from ohio called mutilatred mm-hmm. um Natural Evil, for sure. Mm. I want them on that show. Shout out Matt again. Straight up. <laughs> Let's do that. I think that would be a kick-ass lineup. And you need, like, the who's the misfits of the bill, though? Like, who's, like, the, the punk? Misfits? You need one more. I'm a, me- I'm a metal kid, so I don't know much about punk. Yeah. Uh, the Chats. The Chats. They're a sick okay. band from Australia, and I really like them. I just just heard about that on that last po- that last tour they did. Um, I went to that show. They were crazy. Super. I fun. mean, there are some bills right now that are really interesting. Like, what was the God's Hate show? 
it just happened. It was like God's hate, internal bleeding, King Nine. I think that yeah. some of that's happening. I think like with the way hardcore is kind of accepting a lot of different sounds that like there are there are flyers right now that people will look back at and go like holy shit how did that happen yeah i think so like you said that god's hate bill was crazy even the those record release shows i think they had 200 stab wounds on them yeah uh super cool like i said i just i love the crossing of genres and i love that everybody is playing to everybody i think it's so cool it really is like having gone through so many generations of Salt Lake hardcore there, most of the generations didn't work like that. You know, especially like what I saw in the nineties and two thousands, it was so hard, even if we tried to mix things up, but now you look at like shows here or like a sound and fury and you've got everything from super heavy bands to like the drug churches to no pressure. Like it's, it's interesting. I do think that, the, the definition of hardcore is loosening in a good way right now. People aren't as so. like militant about what it is, which has happened in the past. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah. What, what is the, what's the ultimate, like how far do you guys plan to take recidivist? You going to hit the road? Or are you going to hit? Everything? I would like to. I would like to. I'm getting married next year in May, so I think the band might have to take a slight respite for a little bit while all that happens. Uh, but I would love to. I would love to tour. I would love to do like a full U.S. and have to quit my job to to just be able to tour. Um. I, I don't. I don't give a fuck. I'll do anything with this band. <laughs> nice. Well, that covers a lot of bases. Is there anything you want to talk about? Uh, we announced a show today with Tsunami, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but no Empire is on the show <laughs> and Victim to None. Um, I'm sure everybody already saw it, but um, I think tickets will probably be on sale when this goes up. So get one of them. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's a special one. Um, this is probably it's a insane, good, dude. good chance to talk about it, but like the no empire doing a show again is is very cool on a lot of levels yeah it's huge uh, for me personally i had like i played in bands in salt lake all through the 2000s and then i moved back east in 2009 and <clears throat> we were still doing like the grudge city blog and trevor and size were still doing some stuff out here but that kind of wound down as people got families and stuff and I was out there and I was like, man, who are the next bands going to be? Like, who's who's going to come up? Um, and then No Empire came out. And that was the first time I'd heard any of those guys like playing in a band. Like I knew them from shows when they were like, you know, 15 and I was 19 or whatever. Um, but I still remember hearing No Empire and just being like, fuck, these guys are actually learning how to play their instruments. <laughs> and like Nick is, is obviously very, very tight in everything he does. Um and so it was really cool because I never got to see them. I was back East, but I was like, hell yeah, this is like another generation. Um, so it's really cool to see the turnover because now, like like, I, like at the beginning of this conversation, seeing bands like your band, um, seeing bands like Portraits or Ribbons, like all these, all the young bands getting into the music, like it's, it's wild to think of all the generations. And because for me, No Empire are the young kids. 
I guess that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah, I never got to see them. That was definitely before my time, but to be a part of their comeback is such an honor. And I, I love Ryan. I love all those guys. So I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and for anyone listening to this that doesn't have the genealogy, that was like a seed for Takeover, Liar's Tongue, Victim to None, Absolved, other bands like that that was sort of like a starting point for a lot of stuff along with you know at that time close grip rest in peace brad and um yeah that was like a those those are really important bands because they kept this thing going when you know you didn't have packed shows and and venues like the beehive that would you know let you you know stage dive or whatever so that's very cool that's awesome that you're on it it's very proper that you guys would be playing that. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm.